0: In 2022, masks have a very different meaning today and hold the distinctive significance because of the pandemic. But if we were to take away the medical connotation of a face covering, what comes to your mind when you hear the word mask? The first wearable masks date back to 7,000 BC and humans have used them for entertainment, holidays, and ceremonies. One particular mask has been in my life since childhood. It was a mask that I never wore, but I always wanted to know who did.
1: And then, on the front of that face or of that headpiece, were really round, distinctive um, eye holes. And that was where I think the kind of the creepiness of it, or the or the mystery of it, came through, is like how the eyes were presented on the face of the mask.
0: Now, 26 years later, I uncover my family stories to learn about the other families connected to this Brazilian mask. And one of these families could help me answer the question, who once wore this mask?
2: Hello, welcome to
0: Object Obscura. This is the Historical Investigative Podcast about people, objects, and their stories. This is episode 18, Mask, Monkey, the Bengal In this episode, I will be talking about an object that is quite difficult to describe. So please follow on our Instagram, Facebook, and our website, object-obscura.com to see all the pictures from today's story. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Fantastic. Great to see you. Here is my dad, Ben. His voice may sound familiar, as he has done some voiceovers and helped me with the the behind-the-scenes of the podcast. We are reminiscing about the last time we were both in Brazil together, the summer of 2018. But my dad's first time in Brazil was a lot earlier. Well, we're not talking about 2018. We're not talking about 2022, We're talking about 1996, because that's when you bought this mask. Can't believe it's been 26 years, right, 26 years ago. You were about 26 years old.: Correct. Right. Almost um, Almost: Almost.:
1: So this was in November of 1996? Um, it was. It was right around uh, Thanksgiving time frame.
0: So my dad came to Brazil for the first time in November of 1996, exactly 26 years to the day that I'm recording the sentence. It was a family trip with my mom's side of the family from Belém to Manaus on a private cruise.
1: Yeah, so your grandfather, yeah, grandfather Bill, uh, he was he was kind of the head of the family, head of the trip. And then we had um, his four kids, so including your mom and then your two uncles and your aunt were all there.
0: My parents got married just three years prior, and the timing was close to their anniversary. So this family cruise was a special experience. And that's when my parents saw this mask when they stopped at a port in the middle of the trip.
1: The mask itself was not purchased in Manaus. It was prior to Manaus, like on the way, like along the Amazon cruise.
0: I had no idea that my family ever went to Brazil when I started learning Portuguese. I was especially surprised to know that this mask, which has been moved to every house in my childhood, was bought on this cruise, a trip where I was apparently conceived. So it feels like there is this connection between me and the mask. We were both created in the same place around the same time. Could you describe like when you first saw it or even what it looks like to you, does it creep you out? Is it weird? I mean, what well, would you yeah. describe what it looks like?
1: Yeah, de- definitely. The mask is distinctive. It's about four to five feet tall. And the head portion is probably a foot and a half, 18 inches, maybe. And that's made out of more of a tightly woven um, straw, almost like wickery kind of a substance for the headpiece. Oh, and then on the two kind of like tops of that head, that head portion were little tassels or kind of like a strong, tightly braided piece of hair on, on either side of the head. And then on the front of that face or of the headpiece were really round, distinctive um, eye holes that were kind of um, kind of enunciated, and that was where I think the kind of the creepiness of it or the or the mystery of it came through—is like how the eyes were presented on the face of the mask. And then, like once you kind of got to the um, bottom of the head, to the top of the neck, it was just like this flowing straw really, really tightly wound and kind of put together, but then it kind of, the straw flowed down the rest of the body.
0: Yeah, this was exactly the mask in question. Right now, it's in my Tucson home, set up on a stand with a base, almost like it's floating above the ground. In our oldest home videos, this mask was always visible in our California living room. And as a kid, I was perplexed by its stature. And today, I still have no idea which local Brazilian indigenous community could have made it. The family memories are a little fuzzy, but my dad had a surprise for me that could help us. And I'm just going to say my response here was not scripted.
1: I know you, you've got some questions for me specifically. I've got a little surprise for you. Oh, here we go. Uh, This is, I'll hold it up for the camera, but just to describe it, this is a a beat-up kind of journal from, and the the hold-up on the spine, I put 1993 to 1996. And so sporadically journaled during those three years, there are two entries written from Brazil, from the trip, in this journal.
0: I was honestly so shocked, like jaw on the floor shocked during the Zoom call. My dad also found his Brazilian visa from his 1996 passport. And that's when I realized that he was my same age, 25, when he went on this cruise. My dad skimmed through his diary entries and found some valuable information.
1: Actually, the cruise ship itself, it was just a very high-end premium cruise line. The cruise company is called Silver Seas. And I didn't remember this until I reread the journal, but the boat itself was called the Silver Cloud.
0: My grandfather, Bill Ward, rented this private boat with the guide, and they stopped in various villages along the way to Manaus.
1: So my memory was that it was a village, like a small little village that, that was, again, before Manaus, like maybe even a day or two's journey before Manaus. and. We got off the cruise ship down kind of the walkway. And then I think it may have been like a guided tour thing that you kind of buy from the cruise ship. And they take you around to different areas that are both historic for like they kind of give a talk about the local village or local culture. And then they also of course have stuff to buy, arts and crafts and you know, representation of the local culture. And my memory of the mask was that it was kind of like that. It's
0: funny because I've asked my parents about the mask almost every day. The first question I ask is how they bought it. I mean, imagine if someone asked you what you bought six days ago, could you remember what it was and who sold it to you? How about 26 days ago? Or in this case, 26 years ago. Okay, so let's talk about the local, where we are buying this thing. So
1: it was not in the city of manaus so, so the guy, by, I think the person that was kind of like the main contact kind of presenter of the, of the group who was, who was delivering information about the tribe, he was wearing nothing as elaborate as our mask, but had, since, had some of that kind of um, ornamentation and, and kind of like raw kind of skirt and maybe almost like a head piece that was with tusks or bone or or It was just, it was something very very tribal, not Western oriented at all, but then was able to speak to construction of the mask and then also like when ceremonially, when the mask would be used for kind of which kinds of events or ceremonies. Like it wasn't, my impression was that the mask was not a daily kind of wear. It was really only for certain types of ceremony. And only worn by certain age and gender of tribal person. I think just wow, you remember a lot more than I expected.
0: When my mom saw the mask, she wanted to get it, and here's what my dad remembers about the transaction.
1: Yeah, in, in hindsight, it was probably more kind of um, produced for tourism. But at the time, I had the impression it was like uh, we just had the ceremony last week, and here you go. Like it was, I, I felt like it was kind of presented as more of an authentic piece. But it was still—it still seemed like it was hand, you know, hand-created by the tribe, um, and then and then sold for for you know, And I and I, I still feel like we paid hundreds of U.S. dollars for it. Um, but I, I just don't know the exact price. I don't remember if we had cash paid for it in in Reis, or if we had to use U.S. dollars.
0: So from my dad's memory, partly helped by this journal he kept. We know that the mask was from central Brazil and that this indigenous community possibly used it for ceremonies. And furthermore, it was a mask to be fully worn, covering the entire body. I was now in full detective mode. I wanted to know more about this tribe and to speak to someone directly from their community. There are different versions of this mask all over the internet. The first I saw were older pictures from the 1950s of people wearing the mask. With their arms are poking out of the sides of the flowy straw. In my research, I found many references that this tribe was called the Kayapo, or, to use the community's name and their language, the Mabengo. Tribe. I decided to bring my friend Victor to a museum in the Historic Center. It's the research center for the Natural History and Archaeological Museum. I didn't have my microphone recording during this interaction, but I wish I did. We went upstairs to speak to two archaeologists who worked there, and I showed them the picture of the mask on my phone. Without hesitation, one of them goes into the back warehouse in their collection and pulls out a completely identical mask. My friend Victor and I were speechless. I took a picture of their mask, and I'll put it on my social media so you guys can follow along. It's the same shape and style, but the only difference was this red fabric woven around the eyes, and it has red tassels dangling from its head. The one my dad bought is completely made out of straw with very small hints of dye used around the eye holes and a squiggly design on the forehead. It definitely represents an animal. I just don't know what. I was in contact with many museums around Brazil and all of them pointed me to the Emilio Goelgi Museum in Belay. A new indigenous artifact exhibit, it was their technical reserve of the ethnographic collection, was to be opening soon. So I decided to take a visit to the museum and see what I could find. When I arrived in Belém. My original plan was to take another boat tour in the Amazon River. Coincidentally, I was going to recreate the cruise my family took 26 years ago. I kid you not. The name of the boat from this tour was called Tribu dos Kayapos. But in 2022, this type of trip was not available. So I tried something different. Well, I'm here in front of the to See if I can. I'm recording myself in front of the Milio Goelgi Museum in the center of Belém. In my rusty Portuguese, I explained to the security guard and the ticket keeper that I talked to an anthropologist about a new exhibit at this museum. Well, they were both confused. They explained to me that this exhibit was not going to be open for another month. I was only in Belém for one day. Thankfully, someone gave me a lead this was to talk to Claudia Lopez, who actually works at the Emilio Guelgi Museum and visited the Kayapo people many times in the 1990s.
3: Working with indigenous people will always involve constant learning. Every day we are getting to know more of their lifestyle and their thinking. At the same time, they also know our lifestyle and our thinking. And so we try to articulate actions together from this science called anthropology.
2: De esta ciencia denominada anthropologia
0: so Claudio Lopez is a colombian born anthropologist and researcher of indigenous studies and ethnographic collections held at the Emilio goegi museum mm-hmm.
2: poco mais. And
3: it is a little more directed towards indigenous peoples here in Brazil, known as ethnology. And from these cognitive bases, we try to articulate research projects on themes that would be interesting for the Mbengocre people.
0: The tribe is known by its common name Kayapo, but the name that they use for their tribe in their language is Mbengocre. My friend Victor is asking what this name means and why Kayapó is still used. Yes,
3: the
2: Mabengocre.
3: The name Mabengocre means people who live in the waterhole, possibly related to the fact that their territory formerly comprised the area between the Tocantins and Xingu rivers.
0: So the Mabengocre live in the central heart of the Brazilian Amazon, mostly in the state of Barao and Mato Grosso. And throughout the community's history, and having to defend one of the largest areas of protected forest in the world, they have faced many threats from the outside communities. It wasn't until the 19th centuries when early researchers used Kayapo, which was a word that had some insidious meanings.
3: And the name Kayapo is a name that was given. It seems that it was taken from the language Tupi that some researchers say refers to people who look like monkeys due to the body paint they used called Papo.
2: So it looks like it's
3: related a little bit to that, but Kayapo is an external
0: name. When we talk about indigenous communities around the world, we have to realize the broad generalization that these names give. Mabengokre is a name for a community of people that currently numbers around 100,000. And within those numbers are many different groups within the Mabengokre. This mask, however, has a very interesting connection to the Mabengokre story.
2: It is a
3: mask that represents an animal, a monkey. They call the mask kukoi. I heard their inauguration. It's a mask made by men, and it's made in different sizes and also worn by the men, right? Children to adult men, in a ritual. It's essentially a wedding ceremony that's more aimed at men. I've always seen this mask here in the ethnographic collection of the Emilio Goelji Museum, which has a good Mabenga clay Kayapo collection. It was a long time ago when I was linked to this research institution here.
0: So in these wedding or children naming ceremonies, the Mabengo Mabengokre would create masks related to animal spirits from other lives. And the one that my dad bought was indeed a monkey. This is actually another theory why the community was called the Kayapo, because the clothing that they would create resembled monkeys. The Kokoi mask is made with burichi fiber. I mean, I can't imagine how long this would take to weave especially that this is made to fit specific men's bodies. But the Mabengokre are a tribe of handmade goods and objects.
2: But there is the existence of material
3: culture, as we call it here. More specifically, the objects that are elaborated with ritualistic purposes, which in this case are masks, but also objects of their daily life. buoys, baby carriers, and personal ornament objects such as necklaces, bracelets, and anklets, which are also for ritual use. And many of them are what we call handicrafts, which are those objects that are more targeted for sale and that are basically personal ornaments.
0: In my research, I saw many modern Mabengo-Kareis selling their handwoven artwork at markets in Beleng, which is quite a far trip from their home in southern Pará. So not only does the community make objects for their daily lives, but also for tourism. It's especially interesting when these two fields meet, when we have an object that was once used for their community that later doesn't serve a purpose and can be sold to a tourist. This is exactly what happened to my mom and dad. I called my dad again to get more specifics from his journal entries. This time, he read straight from it. So let's go back to the Amazon River in 1996 and see what we can find from my dad's handwritten account.
1: Um, Saturday, November 30th, 1996. Rain is splashing lightly off the glass walls of the master bedroom in the solar cloud observation area. The muddy groundwater of the Amazon surrounds us as we head steadily toward Santorin, Brazil.
0: This is what we believe to be Santareng, a small city equidistant between Belém and Manaus. My dad was in the middle of this trip when he wrote this entry. We still have no idea when or where exactly this mask was bought during the two-week cruise.
1: The days and weeks before the cruise were a blur of travel, work, and sleep. Not enough of the latter, but enough to function effectively until the cruise began.
0: My dad had just turned 26 on this trip, and he remembers putting the mask in a plastic bag in the overhead compartment on the plane back to the United States. This was the last day of the journey.
1: Friday, december sixth, nineteen ninety six. 1996. Goodbye Brazil. Goodbye Amazon. Goodbye luxurious cruise. It actually became a very comfortable way of life.
0: I relayed all of the speculative facts to Claudia that it was bought by a local group in a village we believe to be near Santaring on the Amazon River in November or December of nineteen ninety six.
2: And it seemed strange
3: to me to know these details that this mask was bought on a cruise in Santa Ring. So
2: the Kayapo
3: would hardly go to Santa Ring to make masks and sell them themselves. So my hypothesis is that someone bought this mask in Kayapo territory and took it to sell in Santa Ring, where there are many, many stores selling indigenous handicrafts.
2: That is my hypothesis.
0: I mean, we don't really know. But it is surprising that my dad remembers these vendors wearing headpieces and clothing that match the Mabengo Crete's typical garb. The Mabengo Crete have actually been well-documented, where most of the world's best photographers have snapped pictures of their ceremonies from the 1950s. I actually reached out to a couple photographers and other anthropologists. And after the 1960s, when there was more contact with the Brazilian government, the community protested urban development encroaching on their land. Short documentaries and interviews were made with the chiefs of the Mabengokre by people from the National Geographic to the rock singer Sting. But in 2022, after decades of struggle from the outside world, the question was still in my head. Are the Mabengokre still willing to talk?
3: Yes, yes, the Mabengu Cray, they are very used to new technologies. They're always posting videos of their ceremonies on YouTube. So I think it's very easy to find information about the rituals in which this mask is used. I do think it's very accessible, the information to your question. I think they're easy to contact too, yeah. I would have to get in touch with someone, a person or a guy, by email and by WhatsApp or Facebook. <laughs>
2: For email, for WhatsApp, for Facebook. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. sí, sí. So I got in touch with an institution situated in southern Para, very close to the territory of the Mbengo And one day I got a reply back. Someone sent a man's contact, and his name was Muji. We found a time to connect on Zoom with my friend, Victor.
4: Muji <phone rings> My name is Muji Kayapo Mekranotida. I'm from the indigenous land Bau and Notida And I'm from the Kayapo people.
0: So his full name is Muji Kayapo Mekranotida. You can hear that Kayapo is actually a part of their name, something that I was not expecting. A majority of the Mabengukre speak Portuguese as their second language, so it was a delight to know that Muji can speak to us in Portuguese. When we had some troubles with our Wi-Fi on our call, though, he spoke in his first language.
2: <laughs>
0: Muji here is speaking in the language of Mabengokre, also called Kayapo. As a linguist, I was so fascinated by this language, which had clear borrowings from Portuguese. But of course, this depends on the specific Mbengocre group in Central Brazil and their connection to the Brazilians in the surrounding area. I wondered how many Mbengocre words existed related to mask making or the ceremonies that this mask was apparently used. I was so excited to ask him questions, but then the call dropped. He just, he just sent me an undo. So Victor sent him an audio on WhatsApp And we all agreed that Muji could just do the same for us So we sent him our questions And he answered them in many different WhatsApp audios I've been speaking to Muji for a couple months so far And he had some good answers So this episode will look a little bit different I'm going to let Muji explain about this mask In his words, in these audio messages
4: I am one of the indigenous leaders of the Kayapo people. From my region, I live in the community. I currently live in the village, and that's it. Well, in my region, in my community, I was born in the village and grew up in the village, right? So it's about these parties, about this mask. It's when people have a party called Koko. Right. and generally, it is made in the ceremony.
0: The Mabengokurei have close to nine different naming ceremonies. This one Muji calls Popo, is one of them. He told me that he has never worn the mask, that his father actually made them.
4: Generally, I never wore a Kokoi monkey mask, even because my father forbade me not to wear a mask. Only when there is a ceremony, Then he makes it himself for me to use. Now it's because I can't use others. It's a culture, it's a tradition that has this. It's the respect I have for the masquerading of others.
0: This mask is called Kokoi, which is depicting
4: a monkey. The kukoi mask represents a monkey that is made by the Kayapo. On the occasion of the naming ceremony, Koko, during which some children are honored by being given big or beautiful names. Any man can make this mask, but teenagers often ask their relatives to make the mask. During the ceremony, which can last for two months, the mask is presented daily, and they are headed with the mask Guariba. Or Howler Monkey is the other name máscara several times a day this monkey mask goes around the village begging for food for the dancers who are gathered in the men's house. In the center of the village, the mask must be treated with great care and respect, not letting anyone mess around with it. After finishing the ceremony, the owner of the mask must decide what to do with it, so the head can be reused as a bag or the entire mask can be hung up on the peki tree.
0: What is so fascinating is that I haven't been able to find any videos or photos of this mask in use. Well, that would change when Muji sent me one more audio message asking
4: Nisam. It's more information for you. There will be this coco ceremony with this mask. There's going to be this party. It's going to be mine. I'm going to be the owner of this party. My daughter is five months old, and it's going to be her party, right? Where will she get the name of Kokoi, right? So it would be really cool. I don't know if you can, but you are invited to come meet me at this party and see everything. Like how the monkey mask Kokoi is made, and you can see how it's done. It will be very good. So you are invited to attend this party, okay? I' muito bom vocês estão convidados para poder assistir essa
2: festa.
0: I was so honored. Similar to these Mabengofi children being named in the ceremony, I felt like I was given an amazing opportunity. We had planned to bring food and meet them in their village, which was almost 1,200 miles away. Then I got another message.
4: Oi meu amigo, tudo bem, meu amigo. Hello, my friend, how are you? My friend, I would really like it if you could register. But the ones who authorized this party are the aunts themselves. And they told me that it's only going to happen next year. And that's why I didn't tell you anything. But I'm still in contact with you. Let's stay in touch, right? We're going to talk, okay? And if they authorize this ceremony, I'll let you know. Good morning. So this kind of party takes us by surprise, even though we own the party of the mask. It depends on the person saying it's today or tomorrow, etc. This party lasts for about a week or two, so...
0: So yeah, it's going to be held next year in 2023. But that doesn't mean that we can't go to this festival virtually. And here is a video of them during this ceremony, wearing clothing very similar to this mask. A rush of finality came to me when I heard these sounds. The same music from a ceremony where his daughter will soon be named. And strangely enough, it's what happened to me the last time my parents were with this mask. Essentially, nine months later from that family cruise, I would be named. My parents brought me into this world in the same place the mask was used to celebrate the same idea. And on top of that, that I was named Thatcher, which is a person who weaves dried grass thatched roots. If that's not synchronicity, I don't know what is. The mask has traveled with me for 26 years and most definitely had a life before me, used in the ceremony that named other people in the Mbengokude community. Now the mask is no longer a mystery. From its purchase during a family vacation to an indigenous member's explanation, we have completed a full circle story about a Mbengokude mask made of dried fiber. Thank you for joining us on another Object Obscure Journey, where every object has a story. This was a production of the Obscurity Podcast Network. Special announcement, I will be taking a break while I finish up my Fulbright scholarship in Brazil. So episodes four and five will be released in January of next year. And here is a snippet of what is to come. So, looks like we're going to go to this old building in the middle of the jungle by boat.
4: I remember him sitting in the sitting room and smoking his pipe.
0: Now back to the credits of this episode. Thank you to my dad, Ben Hess. He has helped me with so much behind the scenes from the show on and off the microphone. Thank you to Claudio Lopez from the Emilio Goelgi Museum. Check them out on Instagram at Museo Emilio Goelgi. And you can see more about the Cayapo exhibit. Thank you to Muji for being available to talk to us about the mask, the ceremony, and your community. There is some amazing work being done at Instituto Cabo and Conservation International to protect the Amazon rainforest in communication with the Kayapul. You can support them here at conservation.org and at cabo.org.br. This episode is written, fact-checked, and translated by me, Thatcher Warcass, Alessandra Medina, Aliani Miranda, and Cylon Souza. Thanks for the voiceover support from the following: Shannon Warwick and Franklin Haggerty. This episode was edited by me and Celan Souza from the Radio Laboratory at UFMA. Additional thanks to Victor Galvão, Centro de Pesquisa de História Natural e Arqueologia do Maranhão, Isabela Petri, Melian Vigano Gaspar, Luciana Van Velten Jr., Esley, Priscila Valhauer Barbosa, and Rodrigo Petrella you can see other National Geographic shorts and documentaries made about the Kayapo on YouTube. This was an Anchor distributed podcast. The theme song is Bateria Brasileira by redeem All other song and archival credits are in the description. So please go to Apple Podcasts to read our show. You can just select the number of stars and you can write any comment you desire. And also, there's a way to support us. There's a PayPal donation button on our website, object-obscura.com. I couldn't make the show in Brazil without your support. So thank you for what you feel like we deserve. And please reach out to us. You can send us a message on Facebook at Object Obscura Podcast, Instagram at Object.Obscura, and Twitter at Object Obscura. It can be about an object you want me to research for an episode on this show or about anything antiques related. I will post all the pictures of the episode's object and the people you heard voices from on each platform. Thank you for your support. I will see you in one month.